about eight months ago that I took a trip down to Australia. And during my visit down under, I spent some time with Letitia Mooney. Letitia and I knew each other for quite a long time, but never had met face to face. And this was my opportunity to check out what her what she does at her offices and spend some time with her. Well, the visit was nothing short of extraordinary. And the interview I had with her and my good old buddy Chris Kern was extraordinary too. You're going to learn in this episode how she set about growing her business, her own goals. But I think you're also going to derive some amazing tips to satisfy your objectives in your business. You are listening to the Profit First Podcast. Episode 61. Bring it. Oh. Oh. Brought it. Yeah. Oh. Jeez. This music gets me so jazzed. I love it. Man, this is rough. Welcome, everyone, to the Profit First Podcast. I'm Chris Curran. I'm the founder of Fractal Recording. And I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First. And it's on this show that we fix small business profitability issues. We're going to have an awesome guest today. We are going to fix her business. And you, listener, are going to listen in. And you're going to learn tips to fix your business and bring those profits in that you always have wanted. That's right. Profit is the name of the game. Like, revenue is fine, but profit is... All the time. All the time. <laughs> That's yep. right, baby. And our show is available on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And, of course, the website, ProfitFirstPodcast.com. So how you been, Mike? I've been doing well. You know, so Christmas is over. Um, now, this is going to throw Letitia way off because she's like, hold on. Uh, I know they're in the United States and all that, but they celebrate yeah. Christmas already. Yeah, so we record this episode about four weeks in advance. So Christmas is over when you're hearing this. But I do know what's going to happen. Um, my Christmas tree, we got, we decided to upgrade our lights to LEDs. You know, more efficient, less dangerous, last longer. These things are so freaking bright. It's like there's a <laughs> Mack truck coming, blowing through our living room. You can't go in there without getting blinded. Oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> I What's up with you, man? I want to see that. Yeah, I've been good. You can't I, see it. You'll go blind. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Through a camera with a protective lens. Yeah, I've been good. Everything's good. Um, I might even start a, be starting a new radio show here locally in Colorado Springs, which is kind of cool, featuring content oh. creators. There's a local community radio station that's starting, and they're looking for shows. And I teamed up with this cool guy, Drew Smith, who lives in town, and yeah, might be starting a new oh. show. That's neat, man. I love it. You know, it was on this show that you made the transition from the great state of New Jersey to the amazing state of Colorado. So yep. it's kind of cool to see you settling in over there. It's awesome. Yeah. So I can't wait to talk to our guest today. Oh, my God. So, dude, well, she's got a business in uh, in Adelaide, Australia, uh, right around the corner from Sydney. <laughs> um, and uh, she's in the content strategy space, but, you know, business times... Uh, aren't always easy uh, in any space and and she's faced some challenges and she's using profit first in her business to get out of it but uh, she's not actually out of the dark yet right uh, we're gonna learn all about her business right and yeah. then uh also we can't forget because christine is not here we can't forget our corporate partners <laughs> oh my god i almost blazed right over that yeah so um yeah chris you know you know why christine's not here it's worth recording this east, east coast time it's eight fifteen at night right um because it's really hard to sync up with australia so uh you know christina lives like an hour from the studio and i'm like you, you know it's optional and she's like uh i'll choose the opt-out option uh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 
It's just me and you, brother. Yeah. But uh, thank you to Fundera. One-stop loans. Thanks to Funbox. They are uh, invoice financing. Thanks to Nextiva, vo- uh, voiceover IP, and Antisheet's time tracking software for sponsoring yet another episode of Profit First. Yeah. Thank you. Dude, now yeah. I'm going to go into the full bio. I guess I was going into the full bio already, but now I'm going to finish it out. Her name is Letitia Mooney. Uh, she, by the way, is a doppelganger for um, Sissy Spacek. Right? Um, yeah. Well, Sissy, well, she's like half the age of Sissy Spacek, so an, an old, a younger <laughs> yeah. Sissy Spacek. Um, but she's she's been through the, the, the round as, uh, as an entrepreneur, and I suspect you have been too, listener. This is her fourth business. She's a published author. She's a serial entrepreneur. She's a music critic. She's all these things. Uh, but her most recent business, the business she's running right now, is a Australian content strategy company that focuses on strategy creation, risk governance, and workflow, and uh, and of course the content development that's related with that. So, with no further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Letitia Mooney. Welcome to our show, Letitia. Letitia! Hi, guys. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, listen. When nice. when the crowd is cheering like that, you got to come out like Anthony Robbins style. And oh, be- I know, but it's really hard to do a bow and like kiss your hands and wave to people when you're doing it by audio. <laughs> well, you can do how how you doing, United States, <laughs> all the way from Adelaide. What's up, America? Uh, <laughs> Welcome, America. <laughs> so, awesome. um, I totally could tell have done us that. A l- <laughs> we should have done that. We should prepare for that. But tell us a little bit about your business. What, what What's your business challenges right now? What are you facing in your business? Well, it's interesting because Brutal Pixie has just turned two in September. So we're in our third year, which is awesome. And we all know that, you know, the rate of business failure is its highest in the first three years. So we're mm-hmm. still experimenting and finding out what works. And we've got, you know, some consistent customers, which is rad. Um, Our main challenge, I think, which is probably similar for a lot of people uh, at this stage is like deal flow and sales flow and consistent consistency in sales as opposed to, you know, that roller coaster of up and down and up and down and oh shit, I'm working and then oh my God, I don't have any anything in the pipeline. It's Mm. that kind of challenge. Mm. Um, So that's like our next 12 months is is on growing that and and evening out the roller coaster. That's that's what's right in front of us right now. Okay. And so um, t- tell us a little bit more about the business structure. Is it just yourself? Do you have uh, colleagues there? It's mainly me. Um, I employed my first person this year, which is fantastic. And cool. I chose to employ, which is probably a bit, you know, out there. I chose to employ a 19-year-old who is doing year 12, which is her last year at school, okay. um, whose dream is to go into medicine, which is not at all in content strategy. Okay. So, okay. yeah. So, tell us. Um, so, that does sound a little crazy, but maybe it is a good decision. Tell us a little bit about the, the business itself. What specifically do you do? Okay. So, Brutal Pixie, uh, as you mentioned, is a content strategy company. What we, what I actually early on in the piece quickly realised is that you can't sell strategy to small and medium-sized business because mainly what they're interested in is core business and they're so like nose down doing the work that they don't see the big picture very often. So selling strategy to someone who doesn't care about strategy is a total fail. Um, yeah. What they care about 
is content development. They all know they need to be blogging and they all know that social is cool and they know that LinkedIn is probably a good place. Most of them are on Facebook and don't understand where else they should be or how or why or when or, you know, any of these things. Um, And then they go, okay, so I can write a blog. And they sit there for four hours in front of a blank Mm. screen and they're like, Mm -hmm. man, this is hard. Mm. (laughs) Or they do it for a while and then they get busy and then their blogs don't work or their website gets out of date. And then all they think is, I need a new website, doesn't feel right. And so they go to a designer instead of to the message. So what we do now is we sell content development at the pointy end. We solve that problem for people. Um, And once it's happening and it's continuous and they don't have to think about it so much anymore, they start to go back to the business development. And it's easier to say, how does this work for you? Is it supporting your lead generation? How does it um, fit as part of your overall strategy? And those discussions are a bit easier. Um, So that's one piece of the work. And on the other side, Um, we deal with big clients. So like our business has dealt in the past year with startups right through to departments of the federal court um, and national companies, and their needs are quite different. They know that they need strategy and they know they need it because something about the connection in the business doesn't work. So their employees don't trust the information that they have or the file share isn't working anymore, or the intranet is hard to search, or, you know, Mm. there's something like that that's going on. And they know they need someone with a strategic brain to come in and help them unpack the problem and put some fixes in place. So that's the scope of things that we do. Okay, so so let me make sure I understand the clients. Is the clients, did I hear they're government-type entities that are hiring you, or or did I hear that wrong? Well, well, actually, I'm going to throw this spanner in the works. Um, all of our clients have the same personality, it, so it doesn't really matter what sector they're in. So our clients are uh, risk takers, they're a bit adventurous, they um, are forward thinking, future thinkers, they know they want to go places and don't quite know how. Um, and that mindset and that personality is true with, from the government departments that we've worked in to uh, major enterprise, to startups, and even to like small physiotherapist shops, you know, like they're all they're all that same personality type. Okay, and so um, so is it true that any business could be a client for you? It's true. Yes, okay. we sell. So we need a bu- we Chris. We need a we sell in right? we sell into law. Yeah, we uh, okay. made a decision because we work well with lawyers and lawyers are good fun to work with and um, they're commercially minded and they always want to do things really, really well because they're high achievers. Um, mm. So we actively sell into law, but we will work with anyone who is a good fit with us. Okay. So any client's a good client as long as they uh, have certain personality traits. Um, yeah. And the challenge you are facing right now is deal flow. You're not getting enough business, it sounds like. Or yeah. if you then sometimes you're getting swamped with business, and then you got to f- put all your effort and time on serving those clients. So you're very active, but then you're not selling, and then the sales, the work dries up because you finish the work, and then you got to panic sell again, right? Yeah. So it goes in this work hustle, work hustle, work hustle kind of pattern. 
Okay. And what's so I I got you and you ain't the first. Um <laughs> what what does your future look like? What do you want it to be, I should say? What's your vision? Right. My vision in 10 years is to sell the company as Australia's most valuable strategy firm. Wow. So that's that sounds vision. like a big company, the most valuable. How how do you define that? Value in terms of how people's businesses are functioning. So they're valuable to, like financially valuable, but they're also valuable to their customers. They're valuable to their staff. They have good good culture. Um, their communication works really well and everything feels connected. So that's and, the value. Okay. And then do you have a sense, like you want to sell the company, um, do you have a sense of what kind of money you want to sell it for or what that will translate for you financially? Yeah, Maybe. It's absurdly high. Um, so <laughs> it always is, right? Um, yeah. There's, no. <laughs> if you weren't being absurd, you would have never become an entrepreneur, right? It takes cojones, right. as they say in Australia. I <laughs> have a, do they? <laughs> no, I know they really don't. They really no, don't. No, they, no, they don't. They say they say. What would you say in that? Australia? Uh, let's say, say that you have balls. Okay, thank you. Okay. And that'll be it for today. Thanks for that joining us. We'll cut off the air. Okay, so it takes balls to do that, um, yeah. to start a business. It takes balls to want a big number. What's your number? It's 25 million. Okay. I like 25 that. million Australian or U.S.? Or does it make a oh, difference? Doesn't both <laughs> if it was yeah. if it was US dollars, like I think our current exchange rate, one Australian dollar is equivalent to seventy four US cents. So if it's so USD, that would be nice. Yeah. Okay. So e- either way, it sounds like you're doing okay. All right. So let's start digging into this, and I'm going to give you some feedback. Um, and Chris, you can chime in too if other questions come up. But uh, Letitia, as, as I share it with you, I want to hear your thoughts too. So, sure. first of all, what you're experiencing is called the double helix trap. You ain't the first, uh, and you ain't the last. And what the double helix trap is, you, you know what a double helix is, like the DNA code? Have you ever seen that? I sure do. Okay. So, it's like that winding spiral staircase, and there's kind of two of them intertwined. That represents the typical oscillation that entrepreneurs have between the working and the doing. So, as sales increase, the helix is increasing in sales, the at the same time, the work decreases because there's less availability for it. And then, as we start concentrating on doing the work, we can't sell. And uh, if we're not selling, the sales uh, slow down, but the work gets gobbled up because we're, we're doing the work. We complete it, but now there's no sales, and we start this incline again of, of panicking and, and trying to increase sales because sales have declined. And it's this oscillation between sales and do, sales and do. It is the ultimate trap, and entrepreneurs that stay stuck in that will stay stuck in that for life. Now, if you want to sell your company for $25 million, let me pull out my handy-dandy calculator. <laughs> Chris, I need a sound effect for that in the future. For $25 million, at a linear growth rate, that means you need to do $2.5 million a year. So at the end of next year, you got to do $2.5 million in revenue if you grew at a linear rate. Most people say, well, there's that hockey stick moment. Like, I'm going to grow slow, and then the last three years, we are going to crank up to $25 million. Um, by the way, that rarely ever happens. So for us to do this, we need to be in the generating at least, I would anticipate this next year, Five hundred thousand. Uh, the year after, we got to be doing one point five million, and then one point five has to go to three, three to six, and we got to increase at a uh, at a rate like that where you have exponential growth. Um, I assume this year you didn't do five hundred thousand in revenue. No, not this year. Oh, did you do it last year? 
No. <laughs> okay. We might do what that kind in the future, rev- right? Isn't okay. that the dream? What, it is the dream. We're going to make it happen. What, what did you do last this last year, the last 12 months? Um, the last 12 months, we came in just under 100,000. Okay. Nice. Um, that's not bad, and that's, that's pretty typical. Um, what did you do the year prior to that? Mm, the year prior to that, I don't even remember. Two okay. years. So it was probably just under two years. So it would have been close to 70. 70. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you're doing what's called aggregate growth, where it's a small additive uh, of growth. That's also very typical. Uh, and that's typical of what's called a double helix trap. Here is what I suspect you're falling into. And listen, I don't know much about your business. And every entrepreneur says, but my business is so unique. You got to spend days studying it before you can have an answer for me. I've worked with thousands of businesses now over my career and found that there's some consistencies. And uh, here's the triggers that hit off. First, the double helix trap. Well, by oscillating back and forth, uh, you're not going to be able to get traction because you're working with, and you said here you can work with any client. That is the biggest red flag that's out there. When you work with any client of any type, what that forces you to do is called custom or or one-offs type of work. Yeah, it's all within content development. Yes, you're helping with some risk and governance, but it's not perfectly consistent. And I want you to think of a heart surgeon, for example, versus a general practitioner doctor. Latish, you ever go to a general practitioner doctor for like a checkup or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I used Your to doctor. work with them. Oh, you used to work with them. What, what yeah, kind yeah. of stuff did What kind of stuff did you see? Like come in, like people with coughs and a skin rash, like like stuff like that, right? Yeah, like, and they're trained in everything, but not anything particularly well. Oh, you're getting ahead of me. You're so <laughs> you are so good, Mike. <laughs> what? And you saw like crazy stuff come in there, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you ever see someone come in uh, that was having serious heart concerns? At least they may have not known it, but they may have come in and, and one of the general practitioners diagnosed it? Oh, uh, probably. What did, the, yeah, I'm sure you did. What did that <laughs> general, didn't. what was that? Uh, well, I was actually thinking of something a little bit more um, interesting. <laughs> if, was, if, you, um, if you're going to say balls again. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I promise. Oh, okay. No, well, there was, was a family it? that had been traveling overseas. Um, okay. This is during like Ebola outbreaks, reasonably like, oh. you know, right? Um, yeah. And they had come back to town and their child, who was 18 months old, had a bleeding rash. Oh. And, oh. and uh, so they were like, what do we do? Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and if the parent is describing a rash as bleeding, it's like, mm-hmm. it's not just scabs, right? right? Okay. And was that, yeah. was it Ebola? Did you find out ultimately? Um, the GP kind of went, you know what? I can't, I can't even just go to emergency. <laughs> don't okay. even, don't mm. even come in. Don't even come here. And that yeah. is true for all general practitioners. The yeah. general practitioners, as you know, by definition, have to do generally everything. So general practitioners, doctors attract people with skin rashes that are just simple scabs to people that have bleeding skin rashes to people with a cough to people that have a serious gastrointestinal problem and everything in between. But the default consumer, if they don't know specifically what their problem is, will go to a general practitioner first. Conversely, if the practitioner realizes something they're having is severe, they skip the general practitioner and go to emergency and or a specialist. So 
the general practitioner, here's the irony. I don't know how it's in down under, but up here uh, in the U.S., general practitioners generally don't make too much money. But the specialists, the heart surgeon, uh, the gastrointestinal specialist, probably the Ebola specialist, so there is someone that does that, those people make a huge amount of money. And the reason is this. They attract the, the customers with very specialized need, needs. So what I want you to remember here is a general practitioner attracts the general audience with a general need for general things. And the generalist, once they diagnose something that's significant or life-threatening, they refer them out to the specialist. Now, a specialist, say the heart surgeon, attracts someone with very specific special needs in a very specific special category and will pay a serious premium for those services because their life is on the line. Does that make sense? Sure does. I mean, if you're having Ebola, like if, you're, if your rash starts bleeding and they diagnose Ebola, I suspect you will find the means to get the money to cure this because your life's on the line. And if you're just going to the general practitioner because you have a little scratch on your skin and it's infected, you're like, well, I'm putting a little Neosporin on there, but I'm good with that. <laughs> right? It's true. Yeah. So in your business, and I, I'm going to hurt you because I love you, in your business, do you think you're a general practitioner or a specialist? That's a really good question. Um, I think... We're like the general practitioner who's studying to be a specialist. I think that's where we are. <laughs> nice. Because um, like in the last two years, we had kind of done exactly as you described, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, every business that starts up is the same. You work with anyone just to get the money in so that you can still eat. And after a while, you kind of go, man, there are these people who are a pain in my backside that I don't want to work with. And how do I quantify those and get rid of them? Um, or, you know, or whatever the case may be. And you start to realize that probably you're spending too much time and not getting, you know, the return um, and you get stuck. And then because no one can no one understands what you do or the appeal isn't specific enough, um, which is why in the last Oh, within the last three to six months, we've made a concerted effort to work with lawyers um, mm -hmm. and to work in law. Um, and that has, you know, the other benefit that there's nobody else in Australia in our field who does work just with law. Um, so, for example, I went to the Australian Lawyers Alliance conference recently here, like because I'm a member, and I was the mm -hmm. only content person there. Nicely so, done, Dr. Mooney. Mm -hmm. Nicely yeah. done. So yeah. I think I think we're the G GP that's that's learning that specialization is important. <laughs> and so yeah, wonderful. And I just want to amplify that word important to life critical. If yes. you want to achieve, you have a, vi a a grand vision, and I think it's freaking fabulous, Letitia. I think it's perfect. But if you stay a generalist. Uh, you will never, ever get there. If you become a specialist, uh, the, there's no guarantee of the success, but the likelihood increases a hundredfold. You know, and I wrote about this in the pumpkin plan. I, I know uh, we were emailing back and forth. I think you're digging into that book. Here's what I found with pumpkin farmers, Chris. Pumpkin farmers, there's two types. You have the ordinary farmer and you have these colossal farmers, these ones that, that make these pumpkins the size of a house. <laughs> 
here's one guarantee in the pumpkin farming industry. You will never, none of us, Letitia in Australia, Chris, you in Colorado, me here in New Jersey, we'll never drive down any country road past a ordinary pumpkin farm and magically a colossal pumpkin is growing out of the, the fields. It doesn't happen because the ordinary process absolutely prohibits the growth of, or colossal growth. Colossal farmers, and this is the lesson here, have the discipline of constantly removing the small pumpkins. They focus all their energy on the colossal pumpkin, and the second a small pumpkin starts growing on that vine, they cut it off because it's taking water, nutrients, attention, time, all that stuff away from the colossal pumpkin. So and that's can the I um, point out that yeah. that word discipline, Mike? <laughs> the, the discipline is the hard bit. Yeah, because when you start to specialize, you second guess yourself constantly. Oh, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. And oh, it feels kind of weird. And, you know, you have this internal um, conversation with yourself all the time, you know. Yeah, if, what's you the know, conversations you have in your head? The, co- the conversation runs kind of like, oh, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, um, isn't it boring to just look after like one sector of people? <laughs> That's that's one of them, um, you know, because there are lots of shiny baubles everywhere and it's always mm-hmm. that grass is greener syndrome. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, it gets to the point where you're like, it's really nice to have a focus, but wouldn't it be good if that's the kind of conversation that happens? Um, and you just have to be disciplined enough to ignore it and go, no, like this is the way. Yeah. Yeah. So that grass is greener. Uh, there's a great book out there about this. It's called The Dip by Seth Godin. And what he explains in the book is it's so easy to think or conceptualize an idea. But as we all know, 99% of a business, its success is not the inspiration, it's the perspiration. And so entrepreneurs are notoriously known for our constant inspiration because it's so easy to say, ah, if I just did this. But then when we start applying the effort, we go through, as Seth Godin explains, this dip, this period of effort. But what's interesting is that on the other side is the greatest inspiration. Once you start thinking at the next level of serving a business, and what the next level is, is digging into all the nuances, all the intricacies of serving this client. So if you target just, say, law firms, of what are all the things you can do to constantly improve their service? What are all the innovations in what you're already doing that you can bring to the next level? So I encourage you and all entrepreneurs listening in is if you're inspired with new ideas, don't focus on new ideas for new businesses. Focus on new ideas within how you're serving your existing clients. That way you'll still get that excitement. You're not doing blah routine. You're constantly innovating, but you're innovating for your best clients. That's totally, that's awesome advice. Yeah. You just touched on sort of like figuring out better ways to uh, serve your special clients or niche clients, whatever. Um, And that's sort of one of the things I've been dealing with too, is specializing. And I really haven't found out what what is so special I can provide to my (laughs) niche market. So, But what you just said makes a lot of sense. If I really sit down and think about it, like in my case, it's podcasting, like maybe the actual recording and making the audio file, maybe that would be the same, but maybe there's ancillary stuff that can better serve my client. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. There, there's that, uh, oh, I can't remember the term of the, the three circles. What do they call it when the three circles intersect? A Venn diagram? Is that what it is? That's what I it is. I think it is. It, nice. Okay. Um, 
is an Australian English word. As well. <laughs> so, uh, but it's the intersection of who you do, uh, what you do, and how you do. And like, a lot of us know how what we do. I do podcasting. I do content development. But then, who you do it for and how you do it is important. And at the intersection of those three things, and the very heart of it is the why you do it. Like everything I do personally is my purpose is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. That's why I'm here. That's why we're doing this show today. Now, how we do it, one of the mechanisms is this show, the podcast, and there's other hows. Who we do it for, very specific entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, what we do is uh, is we, we teach methods and methodologies to improving a business's focus and, and addressing uh, its, its profitability. And once you start identifying the intersection of the, the three things, it becomes very clear what you need to do and, more importantly, the stuff that you can no longer do. Now, one last tip before we get going, because time is blazing by here, is um, as you start to focus, and I love that you're doing it, Letitia, I'm telling you, you are, you've half the formula there. Start doing that. The other part of the formula is to get out of that double helix trap is the realization of two things. First, if you start concentrating on one category, that is the way out of the double helix trap because no longer is it a custom one-off for every customer. Now you're only targeting lawyers. You start getting repeating consistent needs. Now that 19-year-old kid, if he's a kid, that 19-year-old guy you hired, you can start teaching him the method and it becomes repeatable. That's a big way out. But the second thing is the realization is that it's not a switch from uh, serving anybody to now serving a very specific category, those lawyers. This, it's a transition. So as new work comes in, you may continue to get work in other industries. You need that money for survival. Don't start turning it away. And that's what most people make a mistake at. They say, ah, oh, I'm going all in lawyers. I'm going to say no to everything else. No, mm-hmm. that's, that's too abrupt of a change. Accept what's coming in, but no longer market that community. Only do like you did. Only go to lawyer conferences. Only speak to lawyers. Start concentrating your efforts there. Then you'll get what's called natural traction. By concentrating there, you'll start getting uh, more and more leads from the legal industry. At a certain point, it'll become pretty obvious that you now have enough traction in the legal industry to fully commit. Only then do you fully commit, and you've assured sustainability financially of your business, and you've assured repeatability because you're in one category, and that's where colossal growth comes, and you got a real shot at hitting $25 million uh, in revenue and selling your company for $25 million plus in 10 years. <laughs> that awesome. sounds great. And actually, that's, that's pretty true um, because since doing that, like since starting this, the transition has been like still getting all the other business, which is fine. But as I talk to my, um, like my customers, vendors, for example, I suddenly find there's a whole lot of them that are interested in servicing only law. So, oh, there you go. There You're you certainly go. in the right community. So, Letitia, yeah. I, there's some lawyers listening to this show right now. Now we know who they should be using for their content development and other services. <laughs> How can they get hold of you? Yep. Um, they can go to our website, which is www.brutalpixie.com. That's the easiest way. And they can email us from there or hit us up on Twitter. And they can see your doppelganger, uh, Sissy Spacek, too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't think I have any of those like comparison images. Maybe I should put them up. Oh, you totally should. You tell, Yeah, the age thing kind of throws you off. When you look at younger pictures of her, yeah, you basically are twins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, younger. Not now. No, no, not even <laughs> no. close. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Letitia.
Great Chris, job. Uh, do we? I can't remember. Do we have a hook for right now? Do we hook into this now? Do we hook into? Something? No, we don't have any stingers or no hooks. All we have oh. is is Barry. That's a tongue twister right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, so. that's a beauty. <laughs> That's a beauty. Well, first, I want to thank our corporate partners. And Chris, I want to discuss the top takeaways with you. Yeah. Thank you to Fundbox. I know I tore through in the beginning. You know, Fundbox is invoice financing. I know Letitia's facing these challenges, and, and you are too, listener. I do in my own business. There's certain times that customers do not pay you, right? You send yeah. them an invoice, and they do not send the check. Um, if you're in a cash crunch in those situations, Fundbox will release the entire invoice to you. So you have the cash in hand, and then when you do collect the money from the client, you know, 60 days from now or whatever, you just return that money to Fundbox plus their service fee, which is very reasonable, and uh, it addresses cash flow. So check out Fundbox for that. Fundera, a little slightly different, they're a loan provider, single stop shop. If you need a loan, small business loan to big business loan, just go to Fundera.com, they'll shop it out for you. And then... We got tea sheets. Yes, they are. Par- they're party animals. Those guys. I just ran into them again at uh, an event called SleaterCon, and uh, they hosted a killer party. A party, right? <laughs> oh my god! It's marketing. Oh Come on, it's marketing. It was an incredible time, uh, and uh, I hope they were tracking the time of everyone there using their t sheets, <laughs> so you can figure out the the time invested. But um, their time tracking software, and it's something we use in house here. It is powerful. Um, and I'm not just saying that because they're sponsoring a show. It is powerful because we use it, and it saved me time. I used to do it the old-fashioned way, timesheets and all that stuff. Now it's just literally a couple clicks, stuff's approved, a couple more clicks, and it's uh, it, their paychecks are processed. Nice. And it's more than just timesheet tracking for payroll. It does other things, too. But I'll yeah, tell you about that in GPS episodes. stuff, too. With GPS vehicles. is. Man. Yep. Yep. Cool. And then Nextiva, voice over IP. So I'm so into this company. I've been working with Nextiva. I've been using them for five or six years. I've got to know the owners now. Uh, I flew out there literally on my own dime. I'm so impressed with Nextiva to tour their facilities. This was uh, now a few weeks back to Phoenix. Yaniv, one of the uh, owners in the business out there, he says, "Uh, do you play tennis? (laughs) And I said, no. And he goes, perfect. Let's go play tennis. (laughs) And uh, he beat me. He beat me. Six four six two six two. So I actually, I, you know, I won a few games Not or bad. whatever it's called. Yeah, but I lost each set. And so, uh, in response, uh, I sent him a trophy uh, the size of like your upper torso, <laughs> like a massive trophy, uh, recognizing his win. <laughs> nice. And uh, it is indicative of, of Next Eva. They are a fun company, uh, but they're serious too. Like they are when they come to play tennis and kick butt. They have a phone system that really is rock solid, and their support is phenomenal. Uh, lots of technical things you can do, and they support it all. So thank you to our sponsors. Yes, we love all our sponsors, corporate partners, and yeah, and you know all of them. So it's not like just random companies giving us money to spout their message. This is like... These are known companies giving us their money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. So, dude, what did you learn today from Letitia? I mean, this is a whole new format. What did you think? Yeah, I like it. I like hearing from you, and I like hearing uh, the problems that people are having, or the challenges, I should say, uh, because it's real. And if we can focus on the challenges, the common challenges especially, and overcome them and, and give great advice, that's... That's that's the reason people listen to this show, I think. So, yeah. Um, any particular challenge kind of stand out to you? You're like, wow, I I know what she's talking about. Well, the whole 
when she was talking about the roller coaster ride of of a lot of sales coming in and then no sales coming in and that whole thing, um, you, you explained that really well, and especially the transition into um, her focusing on lawyers and law practices, uh, mm-hmm. the idea that she should do it slowly and not just turn away other people. The other one other thing she said was that she noticed that all her clients are risk takers, adventurous, and forward thinking. Could that Question for you, Mike. Could that be hmm. a niche? It's very difficult to do what's called a psychographic niche. Hmm. So could it be a niche? Yes. But if I walk into a room, can you pick those people out easy? Can you say, oh, there's the risk taker, uh, yeah, forward thinker? No. No. Very hard. And a lot of people will classify that way. Like if, if you send an email out to everyone in this world, do you say, do you like to take risks? Are you a <laughs> forward thinker? Everyone's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> right. Right, so people misdiagnose themselves. It makes it very challenging. You can hit a psychographic, um, and I'll tell you one company that has is Starbucks. Starbucks has hit a psychographic, and what I mean in their case is they've hit people that want a sense of luxury in an affordable package. So there's people out there that they shop, you know, on a daily basis at Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. and can drop a, a cool, you know, thousand dollars here and ten thousand dollars there, but. The more common folk can't afford that. Well, Starbucks figured out there's some people that are willing to pay 5 to $7 for a cup of coffee, and they will feel the sense of luxury. So they are pining for luxury, where a lot of people just go to quick check and get your quick coffee because I need to feel a quick spurt of energy. So there's a psychographic going on, on there that further gets defined into a demographic, a certain type of personality. Mm. Um, so you can do it and you can do it very successfully um, but it's hard to diagnose and I would argue I don't know the Starbucks stories well enough um, usually it reveals itself only when you hit statistical significance thousands and thousands of customers right. small business you know, you have five customers that act a certain way you're like oh I hit the psychographic <laughs> I know I know how they're thinking it's, it's a sampling of five people out of potentially millions so Right. It's unlikely a realistic sampling. Right. For most small businesses, if you're going for niche specialization, and I should argue, I argue that every business should go for niche specialization, target a measurable demographic, an industry or an industry vertical. If you do business to business, industry vertical. If you're going business to consumer, go after a very specific consumer demographic. So you can pick them out in that room, so to speak. It'll serve you very well. Like podcasters in Colorado Springs. That's pretty specific. <laughs> yeah, there, dude, there you go. Like, listen, if that say that was your target, like, it's obvious where you should be marketing. Right. Like, don't take that road trip up to Boulder. Like, it's not necessary. <laughs> so, so what did you learn? I learned um, something interesting. We didn't we didn't address on the show, nor will we. Uh, you know, she said, you know, I, I don't know if I made a mistake here or the greatest discovery. I hired a 19-year-old that's not even interested in this industry. Here's the deal. When you hire people, it's not their background or skill set. It's their vision and impact they want on the world. So if someone says, you know, I want to become a uh, uh, a professor at a college, the question to that person, if I'm interviewing them, is what's the impact you're looking to have? And then I ask myself, is my, best, is my business part of that path? Because is my business having that impact? If this person is trying to help people communicate more effectively if this person is aspiring to do whatever he wants to do to help people communicate more effectively well that may be in alignment with your your business's purpose and mission and therefore it becomes inspiring for that person so i don't put much weight into where they're headed or 
what their background is. I put weight into what their life's purpose is. And they may not have clarity. I may have to coach them around that. But I try to extract that. And I put a lot of weight into their intelligence and their attitude and their energy. Because if I find that, they're rock stars. Here at Profit First Professionals, my company, we exist to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. That's our mission. It's absolutely clear. Every employee here is on that same path. When we interview them, we say, you know, what are you looking to do? What have you experienced? What traumas have you gone through in your life? And money has been an issue for every single person, including myself in here. And we have individually addressed it and now are trying to serve others in addressing it so they don't go through the pains that we as individuals did. It's a very bonding, powerful thing. Not a single person here uh, has a background in accounting, yet we're serving accountants. Not a single person here aspired to necessarily do the exact job they're doing because it didn't even exist a mere few years ago, but now we're creating these jobs. They were aspiring towards something else, but we found this common mission and it's pushing us forward and, and our colleagues have been very loyal uh, because of that common mission. So that was something I learned from her and think there's uh, there's something to be learned there um, in that age and focus uh, or jobs they're seeking may be actually not so relevant. Right. Yeah. And I think the listeners might want to take a, you know, just kind of reflect on their own business and and their their employees or partners or subcontractors and sort of reflect on it in that way. I think that would help a lot. It's kind of eye opening. Yeah, totally probably. would. And you know what else would help a lot? Leave leave your comments on iTunes and Stitcher because uh, listen, this is a little new format we're doing. It's a little <laughs> more Bobby McKnight uh, or Booby Booby McKnight in your face because we, we got to help businesses. Yeah, we're going to bring the experts uh, back for episodes and shows, but we want to bring you on the show. We want to hear about your business. I want to fix it live on the show. That's so, it. So send Mike an email. Go to ProfitFirstPodcast.com and you can you can get in reach touch. Reach out with, to me. Yeah. And leave comments. Reach out to and, Mike. Send him pictures of you. and I don't know. Yeah, and I'll tell you, if, if it's an indecent proposal, <laughs> I may accept it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. So Mike, tell us quick about Profit First Professionals. Yeah. So if you if your business wants to be more profitable, Letitia's doing this. She read the book Profit First. There's another step you can take. Go to ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. That's my one company. That's the company I own, and it's an organization of accountants and bookkeepers that work at the ground level with you, the entrepreneur, in improving your profitability. They use the Profit First method, the, the book I wrote, uh, and they've been trained on it in depth. They've had tons of experience on it. They know all the nuances, how to address every element and keep you accountable. If you're serious about profit, if you want to make your company profitable once and for all, Go to ProfitFirstProfessionals.com, click on Find. We'll find you someone that's going to help you out. And yeah, we got folks in, in all over Australia, UK, Africa, Germany, other parts of Europe, France. It's global. All throughout the United States, <laughs> Canada, Mexico. We're everywhere but Malta. We're not on Malta. I met a guy from Malta. He's like, you anyone in Malta? I'm like, no. <laughs> what the? But really? We're still helping them. We're still helping them out. We're sending someone from Italy over to Malta. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this has been great. And if you want to learn more about podcasting, you can go to my website, fractalrecording.com. And this has been great. Again, our website, profitfirstpodcast.com. And if you can, you know, you can find us in iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and leave us a review and all that kind of stuff. So we really appreciate you listening. I hope you got a lot from this. I know I did, please. So... Oh, oh, oh. Nice natural it. pause. So thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. Yeah, and, and Julie, it's time to get the, I don't know what I was about to say, but get your vision out there. I love that Letitia had a clear vision. Get a clear vision for yourself. And let's make it happen together. Join let's us on the it. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> See you guys. See you.